So we're working through a series that started a few weeks back, and, and the call of that sermon was that as Christians, we have an opportunity and almost a duty to think deeper about our faith because there's so much in the world that pushes us. Uh, Paul talks about pushing us to and fro, you know, like the waves in the ocean. And uh, in, in cultural trends are, are like the wind, you know, they come and they go and Anyway, so, uh, so one of the concepts for us as Christians is to kind of have one foot in the world so we're rele- relevant and, and can relate to the people around us who need Christ, and the other is to be firm in our faith so that, so that we don't get swayed you know, into things that aren't going to be beneficial for our loving relationships with God and with our neighbors. So, uh, so Paul wrote Colossians in the face of, of all of that cultural stuff trying to impact this fledgling new church. And he started off talking about, you know, to, not to be confused by the different teachings that are coming into the church, but, but to stand firm in your faith, knowing that God, through Jesus Christ, loves you so much that you should want to be in that relationship. You should want to be obligated. And Paul uses all this language to to try and show how important Christ is and who Christ was uh, at the time when he taught and he died on the cross for their sins and then he was raised again. And how he was at God's right hand and and we should set our eyes on him. And we'll get into a little of that this morning. But he, he really wanted to impress upon them that it's, it's not so much an obligation out of need as much as God wants a relationship with us, you know, thus the cross. We're free from guilt. We're free to be in that relationship unlike ever before. And then Jesus in his teachings and in his examples really challenges us to to want to be in relationship with the people around us and to care for them. So so there's there's this component that that we started with about how our deeper thinking and standing firm in what the truth of the gospel is. And then Paul moves into chapter 3, which we have today. And I'd like to read that to you. So I'd like to invite you to stand as we read the word of God. He says to the Christians who've received Christ into their life because they want to, not because they had to, but because they want to. He said, since then, you've made, since then you've been raised with Christ. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs 
to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. There was a a woman named Julian um, in Moorestown, New Jersey. Not Morristown, but Moorestown. She was an eighth grade teacher, art teacher, very popular. And um, she began to really have... uh, She began to be impacted by the convenience, the the culture in which she existed with the eighth graders and um, recognizing, uh, you know, did you ever do this? You wake up in the morning, you go to your closet to pick something out, and you're like, I don't have anything to wear. And in front of you are like a row of clothes. Um, At so many levels, we're so blessed in this country that it really pushes us and challenges us in the idea of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is is an Old Testament book attributed to Solomon. Solomon was a, a person in the Bible that had everything, more than you could ever imagine. And what he writes about is kind of this concept. If you could have anything you wanted, just kind of like by thinking about it, when would it stop? How much is enough? If you had an endless bank account, what company would you own? What kind of car would you have? Or would you have a house or a museum for all the cars you want? How big would your house be? How many houses would you have? 
if you bought Amazon, you could have just about anything you wanted. If you had a plane, you could fly to all of your houses all over the world anytime you wanted. I just want a house in Norway and in San Diego so I can have winter when I want it and summer when I want it. I'm not much for fall and spring. No, but seriously, you know, did you ever think about that? You could have, if, if you could have everything and anything you could ever, ever, ever imagine, what would it stop at? Would you be content dri- driving like a, an older car and having a few outfits in a, you know, a modest home? Or would you need, like, you know, stuff? It's really challenging. So anyway, uh, Ecclesiastes addresses all that. And, and here's a guy who has everything you could imagine. And, and, he, and he says that it's just useless. It's worthless. It's meaningless. He tried to fill his soul with possessions of the world, with desires, and, and he ended up finding that, that once this desire was filled, he just moved on to the next desire. And then he moved on to the next desire because in the end, once you fulfill it, he found it was empty. And then he found the next thing was empty. And the next thing was empty. And the next thing was empty. He found the only thing that mattered was God. My kid, I, I have kids, um, and w- one, of, one of our favorite movies, well, they, m- one of my favorite kid movies, is Penguins of Madagascar. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's about this guy, uh, Dave, who's uh, an octopus, and he's really upset with the penguins because they're so cute, and everybody loves the penguins, but they hate the octopus. So he goes on this, this rampage to destroy all of the penguins, and, and not destroy them, but to make them uncute or, you know, like, so he develops this whole, the whole movie is all about this kind of, this, this mentality where he, he wants to make them ugly. And in the end, he, he gets his desire. He gets them all ugly and the New York City sanitation or, or extermination group comes and they're sucking up all the penguins because now they're not cute, lovable, cuddly pets things. They're like vermin that they're trying to just destroy. And Dave, there's a scene where Dave the octopus is there and, and he, he, all of a sudden he realizes he feels empty. He accomplished his goal. And he thinks about it for a minute. And he says something along the lines of, now what I need is more revenge. I'm going to take it out on puppies and kitties and anything cute. And I think when, when what Paul is suggesting to us in this text is that when we get, when we get so wrapped up in this world, When we get so wrapped up in this world 
chasing after empty things, we just move to the next empty thing and move to the next empty thing. And most of us don't have the opportunity that Solomon had where you can, you can actually accomplish it. If my yearning in life, if all I'm working for is a Lamborghini Countach from the 1980s and 90s, and that's my dream, and I work my whole life, I'm probably never going to have it. So the trick for us who aren't Solomon, is to figure out how we can keep a check on those desires that lead to emptiness. And Paul's list for us is sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. Did you notice out of that list, I'll give it to you again, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. He mentions one twice. Sexual immorality and lust. You can lust after things, but typically lust is connected to sexual immorality. Because for Paul, that not only destroys relationships, but it destroys your soul in the process. And he's very serious about that. But there's the list. So this woman, this eighth grade teacher, she, um, she decided in the midst of, of all of these kids that had all of these closets full of stuff and not having anything to wear, and, and she recognized that most of their clothing was cheap and not eco-sensitive, and, and, um, and it was ending up in landfills because they wear it once or twice and then instead of passing it on, they just were throwing stuff out. Um, so what she did was she came up, she made a plain gray kind of simple dress and made the commitment to wear it for 100 days straight. So every day she wore the same dress. She wore the same dress. Now wait, she washed it. <laughs> so don't get carried away. She was watching, but, but she wore it, and the kids started to notice, and she started to talk to them about what the materials are in the clothing that we buy and what, where the clothing comes from and what the condition, work conditions are and how we end up getting cheap stuff and how, um, how we really don't need to have a different outfit every day. I had the, the opportunity of about eight months ago, my son had a, um, he was invited to this once in a lifetime thing. He was invited to a sweet 16 party in Short Hills, New Jersey. So some of you know about Short Hills, right? I can tell by the comments. But, but so Short Hills is a very affluent community and they have a, a Short Hills mall. And um, 
So when we dropped him off, Denise and I, and, and I knew a little bit about Short Hills Mall because I, was, I went to school up in that neck of the woods, but, um, but we dropped him off and we went to Short Hills Mall just to window shop, right? So we went to the Gucci store. And mind you, it's like, it's like December. It's cold, right? We went to the Gucci store. We went to a couple of the different stores there and uh, went to the Tesla store, right? I love Tesla. And... Um, if you haven't figured it out, I'm a car guy <laughs> who drives a minivan. <laughs> um, so, so, uh, so it was great. I, I love flip-flops. So if you see me in the summer, most of the time you see me in flip-flops. And um, so we, uh, we went to Gucci, and we were looking at the flip-flops. Because it's the winter, so I figured they'd be on sale, right? Maybe 50% off, 80% off, 75% off. So some of them were on sale, but, um, but the, the Gucci sliders, I was just curious. Can you guess how much they cost? $500. Not, you don't know because you have a pair, I hope. Right? Yeah. I, I think about the pair of Walmart flip-flops I have that cost me two bucks. I could buy 250 pairs of them. I could give you all a pair of Walmart flip-flops and still have money left over. Like, so her point was to these kids in this school was you don't need that. And you should, be, you should be thinking deeper about the clothing you buy and wear and how it's made and where it's made and what the impact on the environment is because that all matters. So she wore this dress and wore this dress and it caught on. I think my point to you in telling you that story is that we've been so indoctrinated into culture a culture of convenience and ease that's, that we sometimes forget about thinking about things we should. Something stupid, we went, to, uh, we went out to eat this week at a, at a fast food place, and um, they're doing a straw campaign in August. I don't know if any of the stores you've been in have, are doing this, but the idea was that they took the straws away from the soda machine, and in order to get a straw, you had to ask for a straw because they're trying to do an environmental thing. And I didn't realize that. I'm like, where are the straws? Because I'm picking up straw. I don't use a straw. I, like to, I, don't, I don't like a straw, so I don't use it. But I, all my kids get straws, right? So, so I'm getting like 15 straws uh, for my kids and, um, because inevitably three or four drop on the floor. And, you know, so anyway... Um, and they weren't there. So then I went over the counter and I saw this sign that they're trying to save the environment and there's too many straws in the ocean, yada, 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 yada. And I gave them the straws back. And what I realized was that I just pick them up and don't think about how they're made and where they go after. But it's convenience from my kids. And what was great was I was so proud of Claire. Claire's my eight-year-old, nine-year-old now. Um, I'm so proud of her. She's like, where's my straw? I said, well, 
they're asking us not to use them because it helps the environment. And she's like, oh, okay, that's great. What about the lids? I said, I don't know about the lids. I don't know about the lids. Go talk to them about the lids. You got a lid. Because I didn't want to spill it on my way over here. But I was proud of her because she was like, oh, well, that's a good cause. I don't need my straw. As opposed to another one of my kids wanting the straw. Going again. So anyway. Long story short, Paul is telling us that, you know, as Christians, we need to we need to start to think about what we do and how we do it. And I think the church at so many levels has gotten like maybe not one foot in the world, but almost two feet in the world. And we're being so swayed by the culture and we're being so we're being so brought into this consumeristic convenient culture that we forget to think about how we live our lives. So Paul is calling the church in Corinth, and I want to offer that to you this morning. How are you living your life? What are some simple little steps, like last week we talked about, if you were here last week, we talked about just setting your alarm on your phone for a daily time to pray. What are some simple little steps that you can take in your life that will make a difference in the way you love God who has given you everything in the way you love one another? One of my teenagers is, um, is at the point where he's asking all kinds of great questions, and you might have these questions yourself or have teenagers who are asking you. Um, but Revelations uh, talks about uh, heaven being paved with streets of gold. And he said, Dad, if, if gold kind of contributes to the greed of the world, why would God do something like that in heaven. So we went into this whole discourse about language and it falls short of what heaven is and how heaven, you know, I've never been to heaven, Jesus has been to heaven, so I rely on what Jesus says about heaven. But, um, but we, we have to use words in our in cultural language to describe um, how awesome and incredible it is. And if God has created the entire universe, you know, we're on this little planet, uh, you know, th- in a solar system with uh, eight and a half planets, I guess. I don't know what the, they did. When I, grew up, it, when I grew up, it was nine planets. Now it's, uh, is it nine again? We went to eight, nine, something. All right, so. Sorry about the sidetrack. Um, but you know we're we're on this little planet, and and there there are some planets in our you know in, in our solar system alone that are so much bigger than us, and and you know is there gold on them, um and and and, and what what's out in the universe, and God has created all of that. So God is this God of abundance and life, and wants us to be in a great relationship with Him and enjoy the life that we have in the people around us. And I think John, who wrote Revelation, was telling us 
that heaven is a place of abundant life where you recognize that God's greatness surpasses anything you could ever, ever imagine. And that's how I might say it. But John was trying to let us know that heaven is such an, a place of abundant life that even the thing that in his time was the most valuable thing in the world, gold, it's nothing to God. It paves the streets like asphalt. So as we round out this sermon series, just think about, think. Think deeply about your faith. Don't get confused by the world. God wants a relationship with you. And in wanting that relationship, we have not rules necessarily, but guidance for life from like amazing letters like this where Paul says, hey, if you do this stuff that I'm recommending you don't, it's not going to fare well for you. And if you do this stuff that I'm suggesting you do that's been proven over thousands and thousands of years to work like love and grace and forgiveness, it'll go well with you. So be blessed. Take Colossians and read it this week and just enjoy what Paul has for you.